On and off the field, women in sports are inspiring and motivating others to be the best versions of themselves, rewriting the rules and changing the game. This is the On Her Turf podcast, hosted by Katherine Tappen. Welcome to the On Her Turf podcast. I'm Katherine Tappen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are very happy to be chatting live in studio with Lolo Jones, three-time Olympian in the Summer and Winter Olympic Games. Lolo, great to have you here. No, thank you for letting me, you know, show up late. <laughs> well, it's New York City, so we understand that late happens sometimes. But I know we joked with you when you came in and you said, no, I'm a track athlete. I'm never no, late. down by seconds. Track athletes do not like to be late. I like If I'm on time, I'm late. I mean, my job comes down to to 12 seconds so can you imagine if i'm one minute late to the start line of the race it's like sorry we'll see you in another four years exactly good luck waiting for the next olympics i sympathize (laughs) with you yes as a fellow track athlete as well so you're here in new york city i know you're a midwest girl you're born in in iowa you now Mm -hmm. live in baton rouge louisiana where you went to school right at lsu correct um what's it like for you when you come to new york city um uh, <laughs> well, you know, the more I come to New York, the more I can stay, like the longer I can stay. Like when I first came, can you imagine like some small, uh, small town Iowa girl and then I'm coming to New York City? I mean, I got lost in the subways. I ran out of money. <laughs> I, I tell this story to people all the time, like because I refuse to to go in the subways here. And it's not because I'm being bougie. I've been in subways in London, Japan, all over the world. But like, I cannot do the subways here because I came, I was, I had a track uh, race for LSU. We ran at the army and they're like, yeah, just take the subway. Super easy. I was like, all right, great. I had my per diem from LSU. Yep. So I'm like, I pay, you know, get in. I'm like, this is great. I'm on the subway. I'm like in college. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm adulting hard right now. And I got off on the wrong stop, so I go out. I had to go back in pay. Literally, this happened so many times that I ran, I ran out of money, and I was like crying. I was like, I have and no there goes money. Your per diem. This is before Uber <laughs> Lyft. This is before you know, like all I had was cash. I didn't have a credit card, nothing, because I was in college. And I even asked the cop. Cop gave me the wrong. Ex- Everybody in New York gave me the wrong exit. So I literally thought I was going to be living in the New York subway <laughs> with a sign like will run for money to get to my track meet. So um, I don't take the subway that often here unless I have like someone with me who's local. There you go. Well, you take helicopters, though. I Tell me hel- about your recent helicopter trip. Oh, so I've been trying to see the Statue of Liberty for so long. Um, every time I come out here, I never do like the epic tourist things. I'm always doing work or just, you know, ripping and running around or I want to rest my legs for a track race. So I was like, I'm doing this. So do a helicopter ride with my friend, and I finally got to see the Statue of Liberty from like up above this most iconic view. Mm-hmm. So I encourage everyone who you know wants to be a tourist for New York, like it's it was amazing. It was, and you got to see the whole overview of the city. They broke it down. Like I know the difference between the Brooklyn and the Manhattan Bridge, and it was great. It's all like everything. That's awesome. So you're really embracing New York on this trip. I like it. I'm trying and you went to a Yankee to. game. I went to a Yankee. Well, I've been to Yankee games before. Yeah. So fun, 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 fun. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about, let's go back to your early childhood because uh, you have such an interesting story from how you were raised and growing up. Eight different schools in eight years. Uh, you had a single mother, Lori, raising you at the time. She was also raising, was it, were you one of six children? Five. Five. Mm-hmm. So, that, I mean, that's a, that's a heck of a responsibility that your mother had. Talk to me about the influence that she had on you at a young age and what kind of values she instilled in you. 
Well, I think the the most important thing I kind of picked up from my mom is just the how to work hard when all odds are stacked against you. I mean, we were very poor. I mean, so poor we lost our house. We were homeless at one point, and for her not to like fall apart. I mean, I had no clue kind of what was going on until like we were living in the bottom of a church basement, and I was like, oh yeah, we no longer are going to be living in our house. So mm-hmm. she was just so strong, and she worked. She would always work two or three jobs. Um, just just carried the weight of a family on her back. You know, my dad was in and out of, of jail. And so it was just a lot on her responsibility. And so, I mean, think about the work ethic it takes to make an Olympic team. And it's like, you know, I saw that in my mom, like just, you know, working very hard, no rest, no vacation, just laser focused on making sure that she could provide for her family. And so when I think about, you know, training for the Olympics, how hard it is, it's actually kind of easy compared to what she went through. So uh, she's a huge motivation on like kind of where I got my strength to like you know keep pressing forward what's your relationship like with her now where where is she in your life oh she's great I mean I have good relationships with my mom and my dad so she's you know she's been to the Olympics but she's afraid to fly so she absolutely hates flying so she went to uh, Beijing she went to London well Beijing was her first time out of the country oh my gosh like, and that's a long flight long For somebody flight. that doesn't like to fly that's not a yeah, fun one so I wasn't with her though my sister t- like took her and then uh, she didn't want to go to Russia so I don't blame her <laughs> she said she'll watch Russia on TV so she watched Russia back home <laughs> well Russia was also a different sport for you we in Sochi yeah. you were bobsledding at the time yeah. we'll get into that in a second which I think is so cool but um, talk about your father because you know you mentioned he'd been in and out of prison through your childhood and mm-hmm. you actually have platooned that into a, a remarkable part of your charity, your yeah. Lolo Jones Foundation, uh, featuring the program Hurdles for Hope, which is geared towards helping kids mm-hmm. with incarcerated parents. So what kind of influence did that have on mm-hmm. you with your dad and your relationship with him? Well, you know, the thing is, like, when I speak about my dad and, you know, they read, people read about that he was in prison, I think people want to throw out the the bathwater with, like, the tub situation. But here's the thing about my dad. He he was a great father when he was back, like, when he's out of jail in prison. He was great. Like, he's the reason why I'm a runner. He got me started in athletics. He's, I remember going on runs with him to the grocery store because our we didn't have a car. Our car was broken down, so we'd run to the grocery store and like he would. That's how I learned how to run. And um, just just a great father. He just struggled with alcoholism and just made some mistakes. And so he it would just to describe my child as when he was there, it was great. But then he wasn't. It's like he wasn't there. He just wasn't there. So um, but I do credit to him uh, the foundation of why I'm a runner. And so and he's hilarious, you know, so <laughs> but uh, I have a great relationship with both my mom and my dad. So so your dad, what kind of advice did he give you over the years with the challenges that he faced? Oh, you know, he's just funny. He, so they'll fight. My mom and my dad will fight about like where I got my athletic ability from. My mom's like, well, you know, I if you know, I wasn't helping out my mom so much. I would, you know, the all the school wanted me to be an athlete, blah, blah, blah. And then my dad would be like, you know, well, she definitely got it from me because I was running away from the cops. So it's like. I mean, who wins? Yeah, exactly. Just a normal argument in the household. Just a normal family, typical, you know, Brady Bunch family right there talk. Well, it's interesting that that's your background of running and how it all began. You know, running is a a sport that people hate or they use it for training for another sport. It is the fundamental of every sport you have to play. You have to be in shape no matter what you're doing. But um, in order to be a good runner, fill in the sentence for me. You need to be what? Mm. I mean, if it's one word, just determined. I, that's what I would say, because you're going to want to quit at one point. You're going to want to give up. Uh, your body's going to hurt mentally. You're going to feel like, why am I doing this? There's, Or it's going to be complete boredom. <laughs> or you're just going to have too many things on your mind. So 
just you know determination to to finish you know whether you finish in first last whatever just there's a goal in sight you're you're going to finish no matter if it takes you one day three years whatever whatever it takes to achieve your goal in running so just to finish determination well your determination has been apparent over the years you have quite the accomplished uh, career as a world-class athlete but you yourself have also said although I've tasted success I've tasted a lot of failure mm-hmm. and I think we can look back very clearly 2008 in Beijing uh, but was it a failure though no I mean, agreed agreed my first and Olympics exactly I mean, it's frustrating because it's my first Olympics but you know I hit a hurdle I never hit hurdles in in, my, in the 15 years I've like Literally, I was the only time I hit a hurdle in a race like that. It was crazy. And it was my first Olympics. And because, like, I was expected or projected to win, everybody counted it as a failure. But they didn't know. Like, that's the first year I was number one in the world. Like, before that, I was getting, like, seventh and eighth in every race. I was getting, you know, I was in the pack. But no one would ever peg me to win. I don't think people even pegged me to make an Olympic team. So it's just... It's frustrating that that was my my first experience and it's kind of like summed up as a failure for for me. But then hindsight, then I go on to make two other teams and I didn't didn't medal. Then I think, it yeah, people will consider it a failure or like they consider my career kind of like that's that's the, the biggest way people try to attack me throughout my career is the fact that I don't have an Olympic medal. But you're an Olympian and you are. Yeah, yeah that doesn't it, mean it, anything. It does. It, it literally it's great. I love the achievement, but it's it's frustrating when you have like I'll go on social media and people like. Oh, well, you know, Lola has the same amount of Olympic medals as me. Just, you know, taking away from the hard work it takes to make an Olympic team. I know. It's 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 crazy that over my career I've never been teased for not having an Olympic medal by like let's say Michael Phelps. Never once any anyone who's ever won an Olympic medal has never teased me for not getting an Olympic medal. The people who tease me for not getting an Olympic medal are just people just regular people who are not athletes. Who, who have never made an Olympic team because they don't know. They don't know how hard it is to actually make a team, like what you actually have to go through to even be able to represent the United States of America or to have Team USA on your jersey. Uh, but like those who have been there, it's like, you know, they know the cost. They know what you went through, the mental preparation, the physical, everything that you gave up um, to just have that focus and, you know, be able to make the team. So what is failure for you? How do you define it? Um, I don't know. I think I'm still trying to, to kind of grasp that. I mean, I, I you know, there's all these, that quote that you learn a lot from losing, which is great, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I nobody think, wants to lose. Yeah, no one wants to lose. I think you can learn from uh, winning as well. I just don't think you learn as much. But for me, whenever I have a race, uh, if it's good or bad, I always journal after it and I'm able to, to take away something good and something bad. Because if I win, I still want to continue to improve. So even if I broke the world record, there'd be something that I would say I did wrong wrong that I could fix for the next time. And if I lose, there's something good out of it. Like there's something that I can take away so that I don't get too discouraged. And I think that that's, it's just finding the balance in it, not getting too caught up on what's a failure or what's a success. Because if you get caught up on like success or failures, then that's where you stay or, you know, like, you know, if you're too high, you're like, you're going to fall at one moment. You're going to have a low, you're going to lose. Tiger Wood, Michael Jordan, like everybody's had felt every, every, like the, you know, Tom mm-hmm. Brady right now. It's, you know, it's going to happen. So you just have to be able to take away from both experiences. 
seeing your face um, following some of these, you know, races that you competed in, in the Olympics, in particular in Beijing. I mean, you were devastated, very mm-hmm. and understandably so at that moment. So in that moment in time, um, you were incredibly disappointed. You were upset, all those things. How long did it take you to overcome that? I'm and still overcoming what it. Do you Thank do, you. What do you do <laughs> to try and, and re, you know, reposition your mind to be ready to go for the next race? And I know you're interested in many other things in your yeah. career. Um, so after 08, I knew I was young enough to make another team. And then, um, making that next team was extremely hard because I had the spinal surgery and, you know, I wasn't like, uh, as young and it's really hard to make double teams back to back. And then, um, so then when I didn't get a medal again in London and I was, it was the time I ran in London, it was the fastest hurdle race, the fastest hundred meter hurdle race in Olympic history to this date. My time would have got me a medal at any Olympics. It would have got me a, a medal at Rio. Like, you count it. It was just, mm-hmm. that was the one Olympics that it was the fastest Olympic race in history. And I got fourth. And so, um, for there, that that was a hard thing to process. Like, to know that you were in the fastest race in history. And, like, literally, you could have got it done any other Olympics. Um, so, then that's when I felt like I had done everything I could do. I literally, you know, I just, I poured it all out there and I was absolutely stuck. So that's why I decided to go to bobsled because I feel like, you know, if you are at a complete standstill, you have to, you have to figure it out. So for me, going bobsled was like, it was like the fork in the road moment. Like I was still able to compete as an athlete, but it was, it was walking away from track for a bit and just seeing if I still had a passion for it and allowing me to like, you know, recharge my battery. And it was just, you know, it was great. So take me through the process of deciding you want to be a bobsledder. You know, who's the first person you talk to? Who's the first person you go to to try and educate yourself on not only the sport, but how to compete in the sport and then ultimately trying to compete for an Olympic medal? Well, I didn't really care so much about competing at first because I just wanted to see if I could make it down the track. I mean, let's be real. You're in now a bobsled. It's a very, it can be a very scary situation. Bobsleds crash. They crash at, crash at, you know, 90 miles per hour down down a very high elevated icy track so I you know when I first originally went out there it wasn't like the goal wasn't like okay this is a chance to go to another Olympics at first was like I have to see if I can get down this track I mean I get motion sickness really easy I get like I'm the first one in the car that gets car sick and you wanted to bobsled like let's go bobsled (laughs) why not and then I arrive and they're just you know well it was it was easy to figure out the information I need to figure out just because I'd gone to two Olympics so it's really at that point it wasn't really hard to figure out okay how do I do this you know I mean so Olympic Training Center I'd already been to a few of the Olympic Training Center so I think it it was much easier for me to kind of transition into sport, you know, but for those who maybe want to join uh, the bobsled team with no Olympic experience, there's a website and it brings you through the steps and you just do a combine and you are set to go down. Tr- and they're always looking for trust. So they I all- could I could try yes. out for the bobsled I'm team. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> we might have a second career here. They are always looking for people to join bobsled because it's not one of the most popular sports like gymnastics or track and field. And two, it's a team sport. So there's the driver and then there's I am the, the brakeman. I pull the brakes at the end. But for like the drivers, they have to learn how to drive. So they're always looking for a second person to take that scary trip as they're learning to drive, which means there's a high chance that you will crash. <laughs> so if you ever want to oh be in a bobsled. I don't think so. But I went out there, yeah, <laughs> and um, they, like, originally they were just like, you know, a lot of people just, like, they they take their first trip 
and they don't even come back to the Olympic Training Center. They just they just go straight to the airport. Like, and I was like, oh, are you guys trying to scare me? Because it's working. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, so. I heard your quote once uh, talking about you could just sit back and read a book in the back of a bobsled with your role that you had. I know you're being a little sarcastic, but. <laughs> I was. I was being sarcastic, but I'm also being truthful. There is, every track is different. So mm-hmm. uh, they have tracks in Canada, France, Germany. Um, there's a, there's the original bobsled track in um, St. Moritz, and it's naturally made. And yes, th- for the first part of the track, it's so peaceful. It's so quiet. You can actually, if like the announcer's like, oh, and for Team America, you can hear him talking. And like other tracks, you cannot hear hear anything like mm-hmm. once you're in the bobs that it's like it would be like you're in a tin trash can and you're like either being thrown off of mount everest or like someone's just on the outside just banging that trash can can you imagine with pots and pans yeah, with pots and pans <laughs> that's that's literally what it's, it literally sounds like like you, the driver could get down the track and she's like oh my gosh i did i killed it i was great and you're like are you kidding me i thought you were gonna crash seven times <laughs> like that's that's how loud it is but there are a few tracks that are quite peaceful and like you literally you get the feel for it and you're like, oh, she's like it's it's, it's very nice. You know, there was moments in the uh, the Sochi Olympics where there was like a part of the track that was it. I just loved it. It was like a, it was a very smooth part of it. And so, yeah, like there are certain times where, yes, I could I wouldn't say read a book, but I was definitely just chilling. Well, it seems like you gravitate towards speed. Would you? Uh, is that true? I mean, you're you're a fast runner. You're you're an incredibly fast sprinter. And then you get on a bobsled. I mean, is there a sense about you and your inner gut that you just want speed all the time? Is that? Uh, I say I gravitate more towards adrenaline. Like mm-hmm. not too much, but like a good dose of adrenaline. And I do like doing things fast. Like people have said that about me quite a bit that I I just move really quick mm-hmm. if I'm doing dishes I move quick I walk fast <laughs> I just everything's like on super speed for me but then that means I die out quick too like if you really get to know me I'm in spurts like I'll go really hard and then I'll like chill and then I'll go it's I'm like you know what are the cats in the jungles like they go quick and then they just like lay on the tree and then like go hard again so what, what do you do to calm your mind I mean it, it, you're moving quickly your body's moving quickly your mind is moving quickly when you're training what do you do to kind of center yourself and get yourself back to a balance mm-hmm. um, I remember when social media just came out um, I think for uh, like 08 they barely had Twitter and it was social media was full force for London Olympics and I remember they were doing all the Olympic training centers doing all these studies like don't be on social media like limiting your hours and I was like are you kidding me like that's how I clocked out I remember that's how I made the the team like um for the Olympic trials for London I was so stressed out and I was just like so much pressure like you have to like four years wait on this moment this 12 second race and you're so nervous you want to throw up your hands are shaking like you feel so weak you can't even walk to the start line sometimes so between rounds I went back and I just checked my Twitter I was just on social media like that's how I clocked out so a lot of my free time is just with social media because I can go on and literally I'm not even in my environment anymore. I'm checking out what, you know, the Kardashians or Cardi B is doing. <laughs> but you're also then, if you're on Twitter, you're seeing your critics. You're seeing people that are saying yeah. not nice things about you. So that doesn't allow you to check uh, out know, very well. I know. How, how so I shifted that? from Twitter to Instagram. You okay. Know? <laughs> a little more positive. <laughs> and your Instagram is fun. I love, you know, I love uh, the video you. you did with Aretha Franklin and you're, you know, you make me feel like a natural woman and you're ripping off the fake <laughs> eyelashes and pulling off the high heels. Um, 
Um, what is it about, you know, the essence of a woman that, that you're so proud of when you post these videos and you try to get back to the natural beauty that, you know, a woman deserves and deserves to be heralded for, not just all this, you know, fake superficial stuff that we see on social media? I think because the more I am on social media, that's, I feel like, uh, especially, oh my gosh, I would hate to be a teenager in this moment and uh, time because there's so much pressure to have the perfect body, the best curves, and it's all fake. It's, you know, like there's Photoshop, there's, I mean, literally, there's apps upon apps that can, you know, do things. And I think even though they know that, and but when they see on Instagram and they're scrolling and they see this perfect photo, I think it puts a lot of pressure. I mean, I'm a three-time Olympic athlete, and I have pretty much 0% body fat, and I go on Instagram, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. like, I need to change this about my body, that about my body. I can sometimes leave so discouraged, and so... I always try with my videos to have like this self-deprecating humor and I think, you know, I try to show the realness of like it's okay, like every like just uh, for me, I feel the sexiest I feel is when I'm in a track uniform. And it it doesn't make sense because I'm not wearing a padded bra, I have small boobs, literally my <laughs> my chest is like a, a a guy probably has bigger boobs than me, you know? <laughs> but that's when I feel my sexiest is yeah. because I'm in my element, I'm 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 pursuing my goals I'm I'm feeling fierce and I'm I'm about to go kick some butt on the track like that's when I feel strong and empowered as a woman and so I try to get that message across I mean and I and there's times where I just post a an, a really amazing shot and I'm not going to always just post you know I'm trying to as well get dates on there but <laughs> <laughs> I do keep it real you know I'm not yeah. going to hide the fact that I'll wear you know fake eyelashes or clip in extensions or you know and I I tease myself for you know you know people were like oh she has a small butt and I'm like okay yes I have a very flat but I know the whole big booty I mean you don't respond to these people do you oh sometimes I do <laughs> oh, but you know, like the whole Kim Kardashian big butt is is totally in style right now, and I and I'll get slack about that if I like if I'm doing a running shot. I'm like, oh, the guys will be like, oh, she has such a small butt, and I'm like, yeah, I have an incredibly small butt, but this small butt can deep squat 400 pounds. What can Kim Kardashian squat? Like, just <laughs> let me awesome. know. Let me know. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm doing this the wrong way, so I'm I'm just trying to get people's perspectives to change a little bit. But you know? Lolo, you're so great because it comes from confidence. You clearly mm-hmm. have a lot of confidence. Um, you're very selfish short in your body um you know so it's very important for you obviously to well, communicate this message to young women Thank that you. maybe aren't but now i am but mm-hmm. i remember you know middle school high school i was in tears i was in tears i mean i was the girl that was stuffing her bra with toilet paper you know like when am i you know you know praying to god when am i going to develop you know breasts you know like i was very like uh self-conscious and not confident as a kid and then as i became more you know confident in my athletic ability and running and I was like, you know what? That doesn't function me as an athlete. You know, uh, I realized, you know, big boobs are a hassle to run with. You know, like I can be this is the bo- this is the body I'm, you know, I have. And it, it serves like it for me. It's doing amazing things. It's changing my life. It's, you know, I got my scholarship for mm-hmm. college out of it. I've traveled the world. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an incredible message, too, to convey to young women. And I'm sure you speak to a lot of young women through your foundation, also um, young girls that want to be track stars like you. You also pose for the ESPN body issue, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's a hard thing to do. You're really putting yourself out there. What was that like for you, that decision to do that and to be a part of that issue? I was really nervous to do that. That was, um, I, yeah, I was like, what? No. And it was the first issue. So no one knew where they were kind of right. going with it. Or to, they, you know, before that really just 
this playboy did like every four years something on Olympic athletes, but they no one knew what they were trying to achieve with this. And, and you didn't know what to expect from no, it. No, I was hoping that for them, I told them, you know, I go, I compete in Italy and, and, and Greece and I see all these iconic Olympic statues and they're all naked and they're showing their muscles. They're showing these these intricate details that only, you know, that are covered up usually when they're clothed. And I was hoping that, that they would grab that essence. And, and they did. They, they showed how big my back was and this and that. And I had a very more conservative photo because I was like in the first issue. So now they've gone on to really show the true essence of like an athlete, like where they have, like where all these body styles are different and unique. And so it's been great. You know, they're, they've done a really good job with that. So you have no problem. You're showcasing your body. You're using it on Instagram. You're so, um, you know, you're, you're creating a positive influence for young women. You also have been not shy to talk about, you know, your desire to find a partner in life and a husband one day, but you also talk about being celibate and that's very Mm -hmm. important to you. Why did you decide to, to come out and say that and to make that part of your message? Well, originally I didn't. I, I didn't tell anyone. I remember like when I finally came out, people were like, oh my gosh, we don't care. Why are you, where, why are you talking about this? Uh, for years. And my, so my first Olympics, I no one knew that about me. Only my friends and family. And then when London came around, people kept asking me, they're like, why are you single? I don't understand. You're, you're funny. You're pretty. You're athletic. Why are you single? I just, the same question over and over. Like, why don't we ever see you with someone like you? And I finally just, I, I just, uh, at, I didn't even put it as a post. I just responded to a fan. I said, it's because I'm not having sex before marriage. And a lot of people, and this, that doesn't line up with a lot of people's mentalities in today's society. It's very old fashioned. You know, and I'm just, you know, I'm waiting for my my future husband. And from there, then that blew up. That got picked up by like media outlet after media outlet. So then I finally had to like actually do an interview and go vocal with my stance. And so and I get it. And even now when I talk about a lot of people don't understand and like all get criticized or people will think I'm judging them for their beliefs. And it's just like, no, this is this was my decision that I decided to do years ago. You know, this was it was based on, you know, my spiritual beliefs, but also the fact that, you know, I had, you know, my mom with five Mm -hmm. kids and she's never been married and I wanted to be married. And so it's just there's a lot of things that came in play for this, 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 this decision. So, um, yeah. Are you ever surprised when you do make a comment how much it goes viral? I mean, you you are a very outspoken athlete and, and very true to what you believe in, though. It's authentic. It comes from a really good place. Thank you. But it, it goes viral when you say yeah, something. I, I guess because a lot of people, like, they assume because I'm a virgin that I'd be, like, uptight and I wouldn't have a sense of humor. And then I go on to make jokes about athletes and they're like, I don't get it. She's still a virgin. So, like, it will always come back to, like, well, she can't be a virgin. She's posting this picture on Instagram. It's like, oh, so who would be, who do you think would be hornier? Someone? who's never had sex and is 36 year old waiting <laughs> or someone who's having sex every day I'm trust me I'm not gonna like lie and say oh yeah I'm, I'm not horny at all right, like, no, right. we're we're doing good 36 years You're not waiting. a robot I'm not thinking about things at all I'm not curious I'm not wondering I say no I am literally like a teenage boy right now <laughs> so are you dating are you I am going on dates this is actually the most dates I've ever gone on in the last few months. They, a lot of them have been bad. Like, How do you date? What do you, are you on apps? What do you? Oh my gosh, I've tried everything. I've, I've, I'm big into rom com, so I always hoped that it would be like you know natural, and I'd meet somebody or this and that. How but... to lose a guy in ten days? Oh, I just watched that one. <laughs> I love the best. Rom coms are great. Um, so yeah, but I, I've tried all. I've tried all the apps. All yeah. So I'm out there. I'm, but I'm not the only one. Even girls who are not waiting for their husbands. Like there's a lot of girls in their 30s that I cannot find their one just because Mm -hmm. our generation is getting married later and later and it's just 
That's the reality of it. And, and so- then you're busy. You've got a lot that you're mm-hmm. interested in and somebody that is going to have to really appreciate you as a human being, but also everything that comes with you, right? Yeah. Your your schedule, your your desire to achieve ultimate success in so many areas of your life. Absolutely. So it's it's a it's a lot to deal with. Yeah. And I'm not gonna I'm <laughs> You'll gonna, find I'm him. gonna I'm act confident. like I'm perfect. I'm no. so low key crazy. Every girl has <laughs> You're her flying moments. helicopters around New York City over the Empire State <laughs> Building and the Statue of Liberty. Uh, okay, plans for Tokyo. I'm going for it. Well, as soon as I start training, I'll see. Love <laughs> it's it. like, I'm going for it. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> you have an event in mind you're, you still want to I always to- say, like, at this point, um, you know, because I am on the tail end of my career that I'm, ta- I'm like, I'm, I'm year by year. So next year is a big year. It's world championship year. And then after that, you have Tokyo. Uh, it kind of wouldn't make sense to retire before Tokyo just because if you're going to go next year, you might as well just, you know, hold on and see if you can do it because – once I'm done as an athlete, I'm done. There's no coming out of retirement like Michael Jordan. Like this, these, I'm shutting it down. I'm, I'm eating a bag of M and M's or you know, a double. <laughs> no more bobsledding. You're done with the bobsledding. And- well, I was on the fence on that until I was waiting on a big decision. Um, they were trying to implement the four man bobsled for women. So right now, a lot of people don't know this. We only have the opportunity to compete as two man, and the uh, men have two and four sleds options. So like that to explain that better. The two-man bobsled is a smaller bobsled and only two athletes go in it, the driver and the brakeman. Well, the four-man is the one you guys all saw on Cool Runnings, four people. It's more of a team effort. It's like a four-by-one for track and field. It's much more fun. It's mm-hmm. it's it's just it's just a different element. And the women don't have that ability right now to compete in that aspect, which is very frustrating. It's 2018. Like, come on mm-hmm. already. Like, you know, make it more fair. And they had a big decision, and they ended up – it was a very close call, but they ended up not – putting this uh, event in for the next Olympics, they ended up going with Mono Bob, which is a one-person bobsled. So I, I was just really frustrated with the, that decision. I thought that if they did the four-man bobsled, it would have increased um, you know, women participation in bobsled all around the world. And, and that's what it really needs right now. So it doesn't, like right now with the Mono Bob, they're basically just going to have the same people winning medals that have been win- winning medals. Like right now, I could pretty much pick the, the girls who are going to win for Monobob for the next Olympics. And that, that should never be the case. So it was a little bit frustrating and heartbreaking to see that because they – and another thing is with the foreman, you have the ability to create these teams, like four-by-one relays, like a basketball – like they get strong bonds. With the two-man, it's very – it's more individualized. So even though you are – there's three uh, teams that go, it's, it's, it's very it's – it feels individualized. Mm-hmm. You know, like if they win a medal, they're taking away your medal. But four-man, you have four people now have the opportunity to win Olympic medals. And, um, yeah, I just think that they, they bombed that decision. Yeah, that's disappointing. I mm-hmm. mean, we wish you the best luck either way. We hope to see you in Tokyo. Uh, always fun to have you. Thank you. Uh, ha- have you at the Olympics, no question there. But uh, – I just want to ask you a couple quick rapid fire questions that we have fun with towards Let's the end. It. I know we've had fun already and lots of great topics to talk about. What's your guilty pleasure? Chocolate. All right. What's the one item besides your cell phone you cannot leave home without? My cell phone battery charger. <laughs> there you go, the extra <laughs> battery pack. Um, what is the top item on your bucket list right now? I just did the helicopter ride, but now, hmm, hmm, I don't know what. Oh, now I got to do like Grand Canyon. Ah, yeah. a helicopter as well? I don't know. Just you, know, you can great... take a helicopter to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and kind oh of walk gosh. around. That's a really fun. That... I have not done that. I, I don't know, but now I can't it. do the helicopter because Will Smith just did a helicopter thing, and like now I can't. Yeah, it's just he did be for his fiftieth birthday, right? Yeah. Now I got to figure out something else. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to do research on Google. All right, we'll get back to that bucket list item. Um, who would you be if you were not a track athlete? Um, what would you be doing? 
Probably something with TV. Just you know, I'd take, I'd make my Instagram stories a little bit more professional. And <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Lolo. It's been fun having you here. Thanks so much for Thank joining you for us. Having me. We were just chatting in studio with Lolo Jones, three-time Olympian in the Summer and Winter Olympics. You can download the On Her Turf podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Let us know what you think. We want to hear from you, so be sure to chime in. And also, you can follow us on Instagram at On Her Turf. Have a great rest of your day, everyone, and be sure to join us next time for the On Her Turf podcast.